Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. This morning in Acts chapter 15. Um, this is a message I share with our youth on Wednesday night, but I believe um, there's, this message has something for each and every one of us, and uh, there's some other things that I will share uh, from my heart and from the scripture today. It's kind of interesting, I, I didn't know that uh, Pastor Ken, our superintendent, was going to mention the church of Antioch, but this scripture passage actually deals with the church in Antioch this morning, and um, you know, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that, but it's talking about the true gospel and how the presentation of the gospel, sometimes what can happen is we present it in a way that drives fear into people rather than driving love into people. I've seen the gospel presented in a number of different ways. Uh, I've seen, you know, somebody one time uh, take a bagel, a whole bagel, and they start, you know, it was, they were trying to explain about true love weights and all this different stuff about marriage and things, which was an important topic, obviously. And they take this, this uh, bagel and they're like, man, if you start doing that, and you know, man, you're just, they start, he starts ripping the pieces off of the bagel. And, uh, you know, it just keeps going, explaining different situations, what could happen. Man, there's a piece of your heart. There's a piece of your heart there. Piece, and he starts taking off. And then, then he goes, then, who wants to be that? You know, and he just kind of like shoves it right in their face. And I'm just thinking, well, I don't know if that's necessarily the way we should, you know, present that. Um, because that, that scares people to death, obviously. But at the same time, you know, another. Listen, God comes to redeem people, and so they're already broken, you know. And so we, um, we explain to the world that Jesus comes to, to, he died for the world, right? He came to save the world, John 3, 17. Um, John 3, 16 is a great verse, right? We all know that one, for God so loved the world. But John three seventeen tells us he came to save the world, not condemn the world. And so when we think about the gospel, we have to drive the gospel with love. We don't drive the gospel with fear. And so this morning, as we look to this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 15, you know, we, we look at the true gospel and what this gospel is all about. As we read, uh, read in the first couple of, or couple of verses, the ver- first four verses, you will see that an issue comes up because there's a, two individuals named Paul and Barnabas who are main uh, church leaders in the Antioch area. They are, um, you know, going from town to town, city to city. They arrive at Antioch. They see uh, Gentile believe, uh, Gentiles become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, basically what a Gentile is, is a non-Jewish person. So they don't practice Jewish customs. So this decision that is made in Acts chapter 15 affects all of us in this room. Because this is a major decision. This is a major, what we would consider to be a major debate. And uh, figuring out, is there more requirements for salvation? Because this gospel is being preached by, you know, salvation is by grace through faith, right? That, so now there are some people who have, who have thought, well, there's a little bit more to it than that. And so in the first four verses, they, these people from Jerusalem, they're not authorized by the mother church in Jerusalem, where a lot of the church leadership is. You'll find out later in the story. They were not authorized to, to do this and come to Antioch. And they start telling the Gentile believers that unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved. And so all of a sudden, this, this is presented to them, so now they're confused. 
So now they're thinking, okay, Paul and Barnabas are telling us one thing, but these people are telling us another thing, so what is it? So is there more? Do we, have to, do we have to take a class to get saved? Do I have to sign some document or a contract or whatever it is? Do I need to do all this? And so it becomes a major discussion. And so they decide to go back to Jerusalem and discuss this matter uh, with the leadership that's in Jerusalem to figure out, is there more to it than just this? Because what can happen a lot of times is we start stating things that were for and against, rather than talking about the one we center our lives around. I mean, if you think about it, think about this, I mean, a lot of times when we, um, when I see people getting baptized and um, them sharing their stories about the Lord and what He's done in their life, you know, there are very few times that this will happen where somebody will start talking about maybe they were uh, addicted to drugs or they were a, a drug dealer or they're a gangster or anything like that. They're, you know, you don't see it that, you know, you know, as much as you would see what I'm about to share with you, because the majority of people I see are people who are in churches, who have used to gone to church, or they're in church, and they had an interpretation of what the gospel was, but when they finally heard the true gospel, something clicked in their life, and they started to believe that the gospel is about love, the gospel is not about fear. Because if you, if you want to do this, you can try it this week. Go find somebody who's not at church this morning, who doesn't go to church, who's very you know, emphatic about not going to church. Or maybe they went to church at one point in time, they just left the church, and ask them what a Christian is. They will start listing to you all the things that a Christian shouldn't do and should do, right? They don't mention once that a Christian is a follower of Jesus, and they love Jesus with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. They're going to start telling you and listing to you all the things that they have to do and don't do in order to be a Christian. And what happens is this, is that what we would describe that to be is what the law is, about what you should do and what you should not do, right? If you read the Old Testament, read through that, you see over and over and over people fail. They can't do it. And they recognize they need a Savior. They need a Lord. They need somebody to rescue them from their sins, And so what happens is when somebody says, I tried Jesus and it didn't work, and you start to figure out how they tried Jesus, I want to tell them, you didn't try Jesus, you tried the law. That's why you're, that's why you couldn't do it. You real, you came to the realization, which is a good thing. You came to the realization you couldn't do everything. You couldn't be good. In fact, read the Bible. We stink at being good, people. I mean, we, we are terrible at it. We're trying to be good all the time. We always fall short every time, don't we? I mean, we may be good one day, but then a situation happens, and what, <laughs> then we go back to doing wrongful things, and we start doing the wrong thing. And, you know, because so many people have gotten this idea, and the way and sometimes we present it is we presented it on the do's and don'ts. We didn't present it in a way, center your life around Jesus, and when you love Jesus, those habits, those behaviors you have should center around Jesus. Let's not make it necessary. I'm not saying the, those, you know, these behaviors are bad and good. I'm, what I'm saying is we need to focus on the, the, the one who is the center of it all, Jesus Christ. And when you love him, the behaviors will line up with that. And I'm not saying you're going to be perfect at it either. And I'm not giving excuses for people to go and fail. But what I am saying to you is when we love Jesus, we want to please him. We don't want to displease him. And so this morning as we look to this scripture, we're going to see this matter get resolved. And we're going to find out what the true gospel is. And the first point is this. The salvation is my grace through faith, not good works. In verses 5 through 11, it says this. 
Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved, just as they are. And I love how this starts off, because what it says at the very beginning in verse 5, it says, then some of the believers... Now remember, these weren't authorized by the church in Jerusalem. These people have taken it upon themselves. But they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they took it upon themselves because they saw a practice of the Gentiles, and, and they're like, wait a minute, they need to follow this, this, and this. Why are they not following that? It's like, for example, when you... There are certain struggles in Hartford County that we have. There are certain things that are problems. But how many know there are different problems and maybe some similar problems um, and maybe more severe problems that may be going on in Las Vegas than they are in Hartford County, right? So you may have some severe problems there, but there also could be severe problems here that may not be happening there. And so you start to see all that and you start to think, well, well, these people need to start acting this way and that way. And why aren't they acting that way? Because this is something I, I, I feel like we should do. And a lot of the struggles that the, we don't have, somebody else has. And what happens is this. When we don't struggle with something that somebody else struggles with, we start to wonder why in the world they can't change faster in that area. Because what's the big deal? I mean, I don't understand. All you have to say is no. Right? And so we start to, we start to assume that we know that the, it's not that big of a deal. I don't understand what the big deal is. Why are they struggling with this? Like, because you know why it's a struggle to them? Because it's a struggle to them. It may not be a struggle to you, but it is to them. And so a lot of times, this is basically what happens. Somebody from Hartford County decides to go to Las Vegas and decides to start telling these people, la, 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 and go along with that. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you giving me a laundry list here of things I got to do and don't do when, when I'm trying to love the Lord as best as I know how? And you know what? Just because somebody's struggling with something, it may take them a little longer than you, right? Because maybe it's not a struggle to you. Everybody follow me? It may not be a struggle to you, but it could be to them. And it's going to take them a whole lot longer to get out of that than it would be for you. Because you can just say no and you're fine, right? But for them, it may be more than that. And so this is what's going on. This whole thing is just happening. And so I love what Peter does. He comes to explain to them, and understand something about this law. Jesus said himself, he did not come to abolish the law. He did not come to dismiss it. He says he came to fulfill it because there was a realization no one can do this. And I love what Peter does here because he's more concerned about truth than about sides. Watch this, because Paul, before this happens, Paul had confronted Peter at one point in time about his separation from the Gentiles when he knew very well that the gospel was meant for them as well, right? He knew very well that. If you would look at that and study that, you will see that the Apostle Paul had to confront him, in front of others too, in fact, about why he was distancing himself from Gentile believers and, and basically going back to his old ways. And you see Paul and Peter here believing in what? Truth, not sides. 
They're more concerned about the truth of the matter. Because what will usually happen to us as natural people, when somebody opposes us or somebody confronts us, right, we don't want to take their side on any argument, right? Because, man, they oppose me. And you know what? I'll, I'll show them. I'll get back at them this way because, you know what? I, they oppose me or they confronted me at one point in time. Peter is not concerned about sides. He's concerned about the truth. And a lot of, that can teach us a lot, that it's not necessarily about choosing sides because, because of a family member or a friend. No, it's about choosing the truth and revealing the truth. That's what you should be more concerned about. And that's what is important for all of us this morning as we look to that. And what Peter goes on to state is these things, is that salvation took place because God's initiative, not them. If you remember, the Jewish people were nobody until God called them, right? They were nobody until God took it on himself to say, I'm going to separate these people and show the world throughout generation after generation my love for humanity, and I'm going to show them who the one true God is through these people, that there is nothing that will, no one can eliminate them because I will be with them throughout all the ages. And you've seen that, right? They have experienced tremendous, um, you know, tremendous or bad times. They've experienced some, some very severe times, but God has brought them through each and every time because God is showing to us that there is one true God throughout all this. And through that, these Jewish people started to get this idea that we're better than everybody else. I mean, it's common, right, for a lot of us to think that way. When God answers your prayer, you automatically think, well, God must love me more than that person, right? Because, hey, I'm more spiritual than they are, you know, and so you start to feel better about yourself. But this is what Peter's saying. He's like, look, salvation is in a God's initiative. This is God's initiative for everybody. It's, he wants all people to come to know him. And then he presents this. He presents the fact that when he went to Cornelius' house, who is Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, he is a person in the Italian regiment. He is a uh, Roman centurion, in other words. He is a powerful soldier. He's considered, we would consider this to be a man who's special forces, right? And he is this, it can be a very scary man, right? And Peter goes to him because of um, some visions and dreams that are given to both individuals. Peter goes, he presents to them the love of Jesus Christ. These people are experiencing salvation. And the proof of that is that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was just like this amazing experience and encounter. And Peter's world is rocked forever because he is just like, what in the world just happened? Because, it, I mean, his mind is just blown. And so he goes and has to report this back to the church, right? Because he has to explain himself because Jewish people are starting to get mad at him because those people are Gentiles. And Peter's like, well, look, look what happened. This is, this is the proof. This, God's word is for everybody. And he presents it once again. He's saying, look, this is what happened. You can't deny it. This is what's taking place. And then he talks about understanding that we don't take away the power of God and his gospel and try to add barriers and obstacles in people's path, expecting them to follow the law perfectly because he's reminding them. And he basically, I, I would think this way, he would, he would walk into the room and say, how many of you have, the law, have followed the law perfectly? Raise your hand. I guarantee you nobody raised their hand. He's like, well, let's think about, think about Moses. Did he follow it perfectly? I mean, he's He's, he's uh, you know, one of our favorite guys of all time, right? Did he follow the law perfectly? No. What about King David? We love King David. Did he follow the law perfectly? No. I mean, Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived, as, as some consider him to be, and he was very wise. He couldn't do it. He couldn't follow the law perfectly. So why in the world would we put this expectation on them that they have to follow the law perfectly 
when, God's, when God has been showing us that it's by grace through faith that we believe. And from that, he starts to walk with us in this journey. And he, it's about progression, in other words. It's not about perfection. That we progress in certain areas of our life that we may struggle in. That there may be some struggles that people deal with here. If you're struggling with alcoholism, you know, listen, the Bible says to progress and get, and, and get your act together, right? It talks about getting your act together. Now, again, it may be an area where I don't struggle with, but you know what? I believe the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel teaches us about the progression in our walk with the Lord. So if somebody's struggling with that area, understand this, that I can't expect them by tomorrow to be changed. Like, well, you better get your act together because all you have to do is just say no. Listen, it may not be a struggle for me, but it may be a struggle for them. And understand that, yes, God does have the power to just to deliver them in the spur of the moment. But I notice this. A lot of times God takes them through a process. And that could happen. And I'm not giving an excuse for somebody to go in and struggle with something this morning, like I said, because I don't want my failures to give reason for somebody else to fail. Because that can happen. That when I share some things in my life about failing or messing up in certain areas of my life, that is not a reason for anybody in this room to go and fail because I would never wish on anybody to walk through the failures I've walked through, right? And you shouldn't wish that on anybody else either. You shouldn't wish your failures on somebody else, right? That's not, that's not what God's Word teaches us. It talks about showing people the right direction. If they're off in one way, show them, hey, listen, I've been down that road. Don't go that way. It's a bad way to take. You don't wish that on anybody. And so we have to understand. And so what Peter is getting across to them is that when it comes to the Mosaic law, it's not by this you are saved, but it's by this you know you need to be saved. That when you see this law and you see what God lays out in the Old Testament, that these, these requirements to be righteous, you know, it's, you come to the realization, this is so overwhelming. How in the world can I follow it? Exactly. That's the understanding God wants every person to know. You can't do it. It is impossible to follow it completely. But I do know this, that is why Jesus came, and that is why we put our faith and trust in him, and when we love him, we center our lives around him, and we progress to be more like him, right? We progress to be more like him. I explained it this way, when it comes to a wedding ceremony, when the bride and the groom stand up on the stage or wherever they are, and they say, I do, it'd be a terrible response to think for one of them to think, well, I guess that's it. I guess I don't have to do anything else. Praise the Lord. I can just go about my business and just do whatever I want. No, what is it meaning? It means you've made a decision, but how many know that is a start of a commitment, right? It's a commitment starter. So it's more than just, well, I said I do. Oh, I gave my life to the Lord. I guess that's it. And you just, hey, I can go do whatever I want now. This is great. I can go sin. I can, I can do whatever I want. And on and on and on you go. And listen, Paul, even the Apostle Paul will say, th- say this. He will st- tell us, that should we continue on sinning? He goes, by no means should we just go on and continue like that. Because when you love somebody, what do you do? You do things for them and you p- want to please them. It'd be a terrible idea for a, for a, a husband to think, I want to displease my wife every single day. I want to I tick her off. I want to annoy her. And, and I mean, you know, maybe you do it in a joking way sometimes. But I'm talking about intentionally saying to yourself, I want to make her life miserable. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything that annoys her. I'm going to tick her off so bad. I want her to get so angry with me and upset with me. How many of you know that relationship is going to last very long? That is on a road to disaster, okay? So when we think about 
a marriage and how a person says, I do. It's a commitment. So through it all, I'm going to say, you know what? Regardless of my, how I feel, I'm going to commit myself to work through that and work through that, those, those situations and work through the conflict. And through that, we see a beautiful relationship come together because every relationship has conflict. It's about resolving it. It's about resolving it the way the Lord has called us to resolve it. And so when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not about saying, oh, I, I said the prayer. I'm good now, right? I can just do whatever I want. No, you love Jesus so much that you want to please him with every area of your life. And you look to his word and you say, what pleases the Lord? What pleases him? I want to do that because I love him and I made a commitment and I want to do this. You start to realize, man, it's more about love than about fear. It's more about his love for me. Now, are we taught to fear God? Yes, absolutely. But it's not about being afraid of God. It's about being afraid of being distant from him. Let's, let's clarify that. When I say about fearing the Lord, it's more about being distant from him. That you can't go a day without him, in other words. You need him. You need him every day. You need him all the time. Every situation, you need him. Even the situations that seem easy to resolve, you need him. Because there are decisions that are made in the Bible that seemed easy to make, and they realized it was a huge mistake. You need him in every area of your life. So it's important for us to be reminded that our commitment to the Lord. So salvation is by grace through faith, not good works. You can't be good at it. Even Peter is telling you, listen, you, you, we didn't separate the Red Sea, but Moses did. And he still couldn't, fo- he still couldn't follow the law perfectly. I mean, anybody in this room separate the Red Sea? I mean, that's pretty spectacular. And yet he couldn't even follow the law as well. He failed. So what makes us think we're going to do it? And so it's not by good works. It's by putting your faith and trust and love of Jesus Christ that even if there's a musician who decides, you know, what, I'm going to give my life to the Lord. Let's not, let's not create this expectation by tomorrow. They got to start writing gospel records and selling them. Okay? Because sometimes that's what we do, don't we? We think, well, man, if you just read the lyrics and what, what they're selling and how they're making their money, you know, it, it's just, it, it doesn't follow the word of God. Listen, you can't expect them to write gospel records by tomorrow. I mean, God can do a lot of things, but what we want to do, this is the problem. We try to control the gospel's power. It's control that's the problem. We try to control it and say, no, this is what you got to do. This, listen, let the gospel do his thing. Let, let the gospel's power, the, the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ do his thing. And watch him do amazing things. Because the best place for anybody to be is in this room. The best place for anybody to be is to be in church this morning. The best place for an alcoholic is to be in here. The best place for a drug addict, in this building. The best place for a person living an alternative lifestyle, in this building. You know why? Because this is where the presence of God is. And I'd rather them be here than be out there. Because there's a lot of different distractions that can get a hold of them. But when they're here... This is where the gospel and the presence of God changes things in their life. And it may, you may not struggle with an area that somebody else struggles with, but let's be mindful of the fact, you know what? God calls us to be progressive and progress in our walk with the Lord. So just because you may not struggle with an area does not necessarily mean somebody else can just, with a snap of their finger, be done with something. Now, the power of, of God and his gospel, we, we read about, you know, the Bible talks about sanctification and all these different things about how we are called to a holy life. So this is what it's all about. So when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, he begins to reveal things to us that we once didn't know about. I, it's amazing to me, really, 
to see people who give their life to the Lord. And then they start asking questions about things that they've done in their life and decisions they've made. You know what that is? It's the power of the gospel. They once never thought about that. They once didn't care about it. And all of a sudden, they're starting to care. You know, they maybe never prayed before. And all of a sudden, hey, I've prayed before. It was a little strange. Well, good. Because at least you're praying. At least you're trying, right? Sometimes we say, well, you're not praying every day. What Christian are you? You know, like, I mean, like we have to sometimes understand where people are coming from and understand that God loves them, that we can't create this unrealistic expectation upon people. Because you know what? God will change them. We just have to let the gospel work his power and watch what Jesus will do in their life. The second point is this. Be the church regardless of differences. It says this in verse 12. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose people, a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. What I love about this is, is, is there is more evidence being used here. Paul and Barnabas, they come and speak about the evidence of God uh, working amongst the Gentiles. You see that through the book of Acts, about every city they're going to, God's working. They did receive opposition, yes, but they chose to focus on the things that are progressing. Did you catch that? They chose to focus on what? The, pro- the progressing of the gospel going forward. They had people, I mean, they had people stoning them. I mean, come on, like, I mean, that would be in the back of your mind, like, all the time. Like, who's going to stone me next? Like, who's throwing the next rock? You know, is it going to be lava rock? Is it going to be landscape rock? You just don't know. And so, you know, it's easy to focus on all that, but what did they choose to focus on? They focused on the progression of the gospel going forward. And that was the beauty of all that. So they state their case. James, he's a, a church leader in Jerusalem. He confirms Simon's testimony, Simon Peter. He, and he starts naming scripture. He uses scripture as evidence for what's going on, what's taking place. And then he starts to um, give these Gentile believers. They're going to send a letter uh, towards the end of this chapter. We're not going to look at the end of the chapter. We will paraphrase it. But he will send a letter about things they should be aware of. Because this is the problem that's coming on, on these people. Is that, okay, now that we know circumcision is not required for salvation, how in the world do we hang out together? Because there are certain things that we are, think are important to our culture that the Gentiles could probably care less about. And there are some areas that, man, if we, if we go to the dinner table together, they're going to do something or say something that, man, we get, that's a deep conviction of ours. So what about them? You know, what, what, what is the expectation we give them? And so James very carefully shows us and writes to us what they need to be aware of. Now, there are some, th- like sexual immorality is mentioned here, and Paul will mention later that this is an important issue for all people, not just for this individuals or at this time. It's an important issue on all levels. And so, as we look at that, you see all that take place. And what James is simply telling the Gentile believers is this, and the Jewish people, 
that there are times where we have the freedom and the liberty to do something. But just because we have that doesn't mean we should. Because you know what? You could be, you could be creating conflict with another believer. In fact, you could cause division. Because you thought, I had the freedom to do this, but this person has like a deep conviction about it. And you think, well, it's their problem, not my problem. And all of a sudden, you've caused division right there. Because you decided to use your freedom in a way that did not honor the Lord. And because of that, that person is now maybe questioning something about you. Maybe they're questioning something about themselves. And maybe the Lord has dealt with them in in a conviction in a way that it's important for them to follow and, and be obedient to the Lord. And only the Lord knows that. Paul, or Peter will say that. God knows the heart. He knows that this is an important areas that they need to follow. And you've you got to be aware. You've got to be aware. So it's not a good idea. If somebody's struggling with maybe uh, lustful thoughts or they're struggling with um, language, filthy language, and to put them in front of a movie screen where that's going on, that's, that's, that's not a good idea. When they're trying to change that, why would you put them in that place, in that kind of environment, to say, well, now you just got to watch it, get over it. Like, what are, you just set them up for failure, is what you just did. In fact, the Bible says, woe to those who, who cause somebody to stumble. Right? I mean, Jesus gives clear warning. This is why community is important, because we get to know each other. We, we understand where people are. We understand their convictions about certain things. And when there is a conviction that they have that maybe we don't have, that, you know what, maybe, maybe I just need to lay down my freedom for the fact that, you know what, this person may struggle with this area, so I'm not going to do that. Now, I'm not saying that you just go off of whatever you feel. I don't feel bad for how I treated somebody. Well, guess what? The Bible says, love your neighbor. <laughs> so you say, well, I don't feel bad. I, I, I acted out in anger. Well, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. So just because you think somebody deserves something and you feel that you, you feel okay with yourself, but the Bible tells something different. Just because you think, well, I don't think uh, looking at stuff on sites is not that big of a deal. Well, the Bible says this sex, those who are sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, just because you feel like something's not a big deal, the Bible tells us something different about it. Because when we decide to treat an individual that way, in a way we, we treat them like they're nothing, and well, who am I hurting? You're hurting yourself. That's what you're hurting. And so this morning, as we look to the scripture, we look to the Lord, and we say, Lord, I want to be your church regardless of my differences. I want to I follow you. And you know what? If there are behaviors in my life that have caused me to distance myself from you, I'm afraid of being distant from you because I fear you. So I'm going to follow you regardless of how I feel. Because feelings can be a good thing, but feelings can also lead you astray. So we have to be careful. So when our feelings, when we feel like feelings are leading us astray, we look to the Word of God. And we say, you know what, what does the Word of God say? Just because I may feel that this is not a big deal, what does God's Word say to me? And this is an important, and, and the reason why I'm talking about sexual immorality is because this is an important topic. Because our, even, you know, this is mentioned here and elsewhere in the Scripture. Because we have to be careful in a culture that has, that has decided to push that everywhere we look. I mean, just because the culture says safe sex is not a big deal, listen, that is the demeaning of the Word of God. Because the Bible says that marriage is important, and that is to be saved for marriage. And when we don't save it for marriage, it creates an emptiness and shame that, you know what, that you feel, it's because, you know what, because you're operating outside of God's context, outside of His Word. 
And he wants to bless your life. Don't mistake that. God wants to bless your life. He wants to give you everything. And when we love him, we say, you know what, God, regardless of how I feel about something, because we've, that's reducing the whole idea to a physical thing when it's more than that, isn't it? It's more than just physical. There's an emotional attachment there. There's a lot of things that happen within us, and we don't realize the damage that it has caused maybe us or the individual. And just because the, the culture says it's fine doesn't mean it is. Because the Bible, the Word of God says something different. Well, who can follow that? Well, it's simple. You, you love Jesus with all your heart, and you start to recognize the things he loves, and you said, you know what, I've made the commitment here, and you know, regardless of how I feel, regardless of my intentions, I'm going to follow the word of God. Because in other words, you're just doing your own selfish intention, your ambition. You're just being selfish with yourself. And Jesus said to give up yourself, to lay yourself down, to pick up your cross daily. And, I'll, and as this is mentioned here, if we are to be the church without walls, we've got to be careful about presenting our preferences and being an understanding that we have to present God's word, his love, not drive it with fear, but drive it with love that, you know what, this person's struggling with that. Listen, just look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Just, just get in his presence, get in his presence, love the Lord, worship him. Well, I don't feel worthy. Well, good, because he, because he is worthy. You're not right. People say that to me. I don't feel worthy to worship God. Well, I don't feel worthy all the time either, but I worship him because I know he is all the time. Because you know what, that, that, sometimes we just have to train our mind to understand, you know what, I'm not going to go off every feeling. I'm going to go off the word of God. And so, as we were at a conference this weekend, I feel important to share this. What we always have to do, church, is sometimes we have to humble ourselves. They, they shared a story and about, you know, this a man named Paul, he was named Saul, um, before this, in, in the beginning part of Acts, when he experienced the Lord Jesus Christ for the, for the first time, he was once a man who condemned Christianity. He put Christians in a, in a um, prison. He would kill them at times. And he's on his way to Damascus to continue to destroy Christianity. This is before he became the Apostle Paul. It says on his way, he got knocked off his horse. And because Jesus had appeared to him, and it was an amazing thing because he falls to the ground. And the, the speaker made this, um, you know, basically observation. Because it's a good way to start with your walk with the Lord and continuously when you walk with the Lord. Is that you need to understand that when we follow the Lord, it a lot of times involves you humbling yourself. Because you have to stay low. You have to get low. And just say, you know what, Lord, I kneel before you. I kneel before you. I will lay on the ground and remind myself of where I came from. Do you know where humanity came from in Genesis? From the ground. From the, it says, from the dust, he breathed life into man. We started from the ground. And we came up. Right? So sometimes, a lot of times, when it comes to your preferences and the things you want to do, it's about getting down on the ground again and saying, Lord, not my will, but yours. Not my preferences. That's what Saul did. He went to the ground. Because why? He knew he was greater. And he was much less. This morning, if you're here, and you need to make this commitment to the Lord. This morning, you have, you have a decision to make. A decision to follow the Lord. Listen, I, I hope this morning that you understand that the gospel is about love. It's about grace. It's about grace through faith. And it's about you making the decision and deciding to live this commitment out, that through it all, through the thick and thin, 
you're going to stick it out and believe. And God's going to help you do it because if you try to do it in your own strength, it ain't going to work. That's why the Bible says confess that he is Lord and believe in your heart that he is alive and well. First of all, you've got to confess with your mouth. The Bible gave you a mouth, or God, God gave you a mouth. And he says you have the opportunity, your tongue has the power of life and death. Guess what? You're about to speak life because you're going to say, you're going to call on the name of the Lord. The second thing it says is to believe in your heart that he has risen from the dead. So you don't get to pick and choose about the Bible that you like and don't like. You have to say, you know what, I believe that this is the word of God and this is all for all of me. This is for everything that I need to know about God is here. Everything he wants me to know. And I believe it. And I'm not going to pick and choose what I want to believe, but I'm going to believe it and understand that God's word is true and that he is alive and well. You believe that he died on the cross for you and that he rose again. That means he is alive today and he now wants to live in you and give you something that is truly amazing. It's called salvation. Because in one day, you will be held to account. You will stand before God, just like everyone in this room will, including myself, and we will all stand before him. And for those who said, I don't want anything to do with God, he's going to say, I honor your decision, even though I disagree with you. I wish you would have done it. I gave you a chance, many chances maybe. I wish you would have said yes, because I was going to meet you right there. You were there. You were right there. And you said no. For those who said yes to him, he's going to say, welcome into eternity. But you know what? Some people get mad at that and say, well, why does God have to send people to hell? Listen, God doesn't send people to hell. He just honors your choice. He's basically saying on that day, you wanted life without me. Okay, there you go. You miss out on all the beauty of everything. You miss out, you miss out on the love. You miss all of that because you thought you knew better. And you didn't humble yourself and you didn't lower yourself down and say, you know what, God? I'm not king of my life. You are. And I want to put my faith and trust in you. If you're here this morning and you want to do that, man, you, God opens up his arms to you and says, come to me and I will give you rest and I will give you eternal life. Well, I thought everybody has eternal life. No, you live for, everybody lives forever. But eternal life is more about quality, not quantity. Eternal life is about spending it with Jesus. Everybody lives forever, but you decide where you live based on your commitment and based on how you live your life. So if you're here this morning, my hope and my prayer for you is that you'll make that decision because it's an important decision, a decision I remembered I made when I was six years old, and it's still the best decision of my life. Made many decisions, amazing decisions, but that's still number one decision because it's Jesus. It's the one thing that changed my life, changed my eternity. If you're here this morning, I hope you will humble yourself and say yes to Jesus and no to yourself. And you will say, you know what? It's more than just me saying it. It's about me living it. And with his help, I'm going to believe he can. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. If you're here this morning and you want to say yes to that, you want to say yes to the gospel, yes to the message of Jesus Christ, that he came to die for your soul. He just wanted to give you a chance. He wanted to, say, he wanted to save you from your sins. Through the mistakes, through it all, Jesus said, I come to redeem people, not to condemn. And right now, he's wanting to redeem. And you may be feeling the presence of the Lord in your life right now. You may be feeling something stirring inside of you that maybe you recognize, maybe you don't recognize. Maybe it's foreign to you. Or maybe you don't feel anything, but you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you've got to make this decision today. It's a decision that will affect the rest of your eternity. It's the true gospel, the gospel that gives love. And I pray this morning that you'll make that decision. If you're here very, very simply, I want you to do this. 
because I want to know who I'm praying for, and I'm not going to call you out by name. But if that's you, with no one looking around, would you just slip up your hand this morning and say, that's me, Pastor Bobby. I want to make that decision to follow Jesus. This is my day. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to hesitate any longer. I'm going to do this. I, I believe in who he is. I want to make that decision. If that's you, would you just please slip up your hand at this time? Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. This, and as we close in prayer today, we're going to just ask the Lord for his blessing upon us and about how we will go out into this world and present the gospel to people, that he would help us to present it in love and not use it to condemn people, but we would present it in a way that honors the Lord and loves the Lord. And so this morning, if you uh, just want to pray to yourself, saying, God, help me in this area of my life where I struggle, where I start judging people, where I start condemning people. Help me, Lord, to not do that. Help me to love them. So, Lord, let's, let's, let's pray over that. Lord.